Welcome into A to Z Sports Prime Time from the Superbook Sports Studios. I'm your host, Buck Rising, and I'm proud, as always, to be presented to you by our friends at the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage. The Intel Edge is what you need to succeed in this red-hot Nashville real estate market. Don't sell without the Intel that the Gary Ashton Group can provide to you at GaryAshton.com. Superbook Sports where you can go to bring Vegas to the palm of your hand with every major sport available for you to wager on. Superbook Sports has lines up for every NFL game for the rest of the season. They will match your first bet up to $1,000 as uh, soon as the bet wins or loses. Russell Wilson just threw a touchdown pass for what it is worth to tie this game up at 10, provided they hit the extra point. Uh, TrueMav, a new way to work out and a new partner on this show. If you missed it last night, we're very happy to have TrueMav as a part of the A to Z Sports primetime uh, contingent. And you will be glad once you go and have your first free workout as a Nashville resident. TrueMav is where you can start your fitness journey today. And of course, Two Rivers Ford, the best in the business, the best car buying experience possible because they make guarantees in ways that nobody makes guarantees. Tell you more about those guarantees later on, tworiversford.com. So, as we look at all the different things that, uh, as we look at all the different things that have developed over time with Todd Downing, because this is now into his second season. Yes, it's only one game into his second season, but there is a big enough sample size for us to look at this and say, okay, they're just not, they're just not as good as they need to be. Uh, I think that the uh, I think that the situation for Todd Downing is such that they will need to uh, that they will need to kind of reevaluate and they will need to adjust on the fly. Now, here's what I'll say: unless things get truly, truly bad, they are going to uh, they are going to not make a change in the season. Um, I can tell you that definitively. That's not Mike Vrabel's style. Now, they haven't had something like this that I think everybody has identified, even uh, you know, even people outside who just watch the Titans uh, and break them down on tape independent of covering them locally. I think that things would have to truly spiral out of control for them to make a move in season. But in the meantime, there was some work done, some analysis that I thought was really, really helpful in identifying how exactly it was that we felt and that we saw the Titans offense get in their own way. So that is where we will start for your Two Rivers Ford take. What area does Titans offensive coordinator Todd Downing need to show the biggest improvement in on the offensive side of the football? Let's talk about it together on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. We will get into these things. What area does Titans offensive coordinator Todd Downing need to show the biggest improvement? You'll hear from Mike Vrabel on a question that I wanted asked at today's press conference, and our buddy Joe Rexroad was kind enough to accommodate. Because uh, there's a variety. Uh, we talked about this last night. There's no one reason why they lost, right? They lost by a point. Um, it doesn't matter because an L is an L. But you look at the results and say, yeah, they were just, they were so, so close to being able to pull this off if not for a few things, if any number of things that happened did not happen in that game, perhaps the situation is different. Um, this is, it's difficult to do 
the analysis with the results in hand based on what Mike Vrabel likes to call professional second guessing. I completely understand that logic by Mike. It makes a lot of sense. But now, even still, when you lose by a point to a team who's clearly worse than you, you have to start to reevaluate, okay, what changes can we make to make sure that doesn't happen again? So where does Todd Downing need to improve the most? Karen O'Keefe just says his job, play calling, flatly. Lane Eisenhagen says on Facebook Live, predictability. Clout House Entertainment says, Buck, the game should have been a blowout. Yes, it well should have. I mean, I went back and watched it twice today. I watched the television copy and I watched the, uh, the Game Pass version of yesterday's events and I found several places. They didn't play a single third down on that touchdown drive and on the uh, on the opening touchdown drive and on the second touchdown drive, the second of Dontrell Hilliard's two receiving touchdowns, they only played one third down. So when I'm kind of looking through the different results and cry- trying to identify, all right, what what could have been the biggest difference between what they did, what they could have done and what they ended up doing? Uh, It's your Two Rivers Ford take. You'll hear from Mike Vrabel on it in just a second, right after I remind you about Two Rivers Ford. It's hard to get guarantees on anything nowadays because companies are not willing to do it. But at Two Rivers Ford, they treat it like the good old days. They are willing to guarantee several things to make sure that you feel comfortable in your next car buying purchase. This is why Two Rivers Ford is the best in the business, because they still go above and beyond to make sure that customer satisfaction is at the forefront. This is something they've prided themselves on for nearly 40 years in Middle Tennessee and will go above and beyond for you just the same way that they do for me or any other Two Rivers Ford customer. Right now, where you can get great prices and a locked-in interest rate when you custom order a 2023 model year Ford. Uh, whether it's an F-150, an Explorer like I have, a Ranger, Edge, Bronco, Sport, Escape, or Mustang, they'll guarantee 2.9% APR for 60 months for all qualified buyers. So you can order now and lock in a great rate for whenever you start paying. It's just like the good old days are still here at Two Rivers Ford. So custom order your next Ford from Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. So where does Todd Downing need to improve the most? And I'm sure there's a variety of different ways where you can look at this and say, all right, this just simply does not make sense. But the thing that popped for me today was a uh, a breakdown by uh, it's just Jamalisms on Twitter. Now, he appears to be a Titans fan, and he put together this thread of the third down results um, for the Tennessee Titans. They were 3 of 11 yesterday on third down. That is unacceptable. The Giants were worse for what it's worth, but ended up still winning the game. Rare is the moment where you convert more third downs, you have fewer turnovers, and you lose the game. But the Titans managed to do exactly that. I looked at this thread from Jamal at Jamalisms, and he said the Titans failed on eight third downs today. Their final six failed third downs were all under five yards to go. Their final four were three yards or less with two of them being third and one. All eight failed third downs in order. Third and five, third and eight, third and four, third and four, third and one, third and two, third and three, third and one. He even went so far as to break down the plays. Pass on third and five, third and eight a pass, 
Third and four, third and four, both passes. Third and one, the Henry Wildcat in the opening drive of the third quarter that they ended up going three and out. A third and two pass, a third and three pass, the third and one Chigakonkwo end around that ended up being one of the most inexplicable plays of the game. So Mike Vrabel gave a press conference today, and I wanted uh, I, I wasn't able to attend because we did the radio show during uh, the radio show was on from 10 to 1, and Mike usually speaks around noon on days after the game. So I wanted uh, Joe Rexroad or somebody in our group text to ask a question about the failure specifically on third and short situations. And Mike Vrabel's response, uh, you know, see what you make of it yourself. Beyond the chick run that we asked about yesterday, the third and short failures in general in the second half, any common threads there? How, how disappointing was that for you? Well, that's something that we've been, you know, really good at and that we're going to continue to be really good at. That was, um, you know, disappointing. You know what I mean? We, we had done well enough on first and second down to, to eliminate some of those third and extra longs that we were just, you know, are hard to pick up and protect and all those different things. Um, so we'll have to make sure that we're giving these guys a great plan. We're giving the quarterback plenty of options uh, for the looks that we're thinking that we may see or not see and um, and be better. You know, the, the one, you know, I thought we did a fantastic job with the with the man coverage early in the game with, um, you know, Bobby in the backfield and Ryan progressed through and they kind of dropped Dontrell. And then we started seeing some more zone probably because of that. Uh, and I think that we just have to make sure that we're adjusting to some of those things that that happen through the course of the game. So Mike Vrabel talking there about the third and short failures. And uh, you look at this situation and you say, all right, that's something that they are successful on. Uh, Geno Smith, by the way, just uh, hit Colby Parkinson for a 25 yard touchdown reception. The Seahawks have taken a 16 to 10 lead. 224 left to play in this first half. We'll see what happens with the extra point um, as we keep tabs on things for you on Monday Night Football. So, uh, Lindsey Peak Durham says on Facebook Live of that response, did your peers not specifically mention or ask about downing outright because Vrabel will just give a non-answer anyway? Though credit to Ben for the Swain question. Um, you know, it's it's a... It's a balance, right, Lindsay? And I don't know if you caught the radio show today because I did bring that up, that I thought it was a missed opportunity not to talk about, okay, the offensive play calling, the, the, the decision-making, basically, in those third and short situations. Now, I've been around Mike long enough to know, even though I'm not at every press conference anymore, um, that, yeah, he's likely not going to give you any kind of answer but that doesn't make fans feel better about not hearing it asked. And I discern, um, I discern this by saying, and I kind of mentioned, uh, I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier. It's not, you know, the 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 general theme on the internet yesterday and today from Titans fans is fire Todd Downing. Now, that's all well and good, but me and Kaharski and Tehran and Teresa and any other uh, any other uh, media member who attends these things on a regular basis, they're not out to get Todd Downing fired because it affects our jobs none one way or the other. 
you look at uh, you look at the difference between the passion brought by Titans fans and the way which with which we approach our job, and it is meant to be intentionally unemotional. I don't care if Todd Downing finishes the season as offensive coordinator or not. That makes no difference to me one way or the other. But at the end of the season, or something to that effect, um, you come in and you say, all right, well, if it ends up being, let's just use Terry Robisky as an example for those of you who remember the situation with how Mike Malarkey's tenure ended here. And we were in the end-of-season press conference. Mike Malarkey had just lost to the New England Patriots in the divisional round. He had had that rant uh, a little bit after, I think, either Kansas City or New England, where he felt, I think it was Kansas City, because that was the second game where rumors of him being fired, win or lose, were starting to float around. He said that he had felt no support from the organization, from the front office or from ownership. He lost to the Patriots in the divisional round. We asked specifically if he planned to make any changes to his offensive coaching staff. He did not. Uh, he said he planned to make none, and then he moved on to talk about the Senior Bowl. We all looked around and said, yeah, he's probably not going to be here. And sure enough, they made the move the very next day. Um, they may have fired him after that press conference from all I know, but I just remember that that was the next day that they ended up letting him go. It would not happen until the end of the season if they make a move with Todd Downing. And certainly Mike Vrabel is not in danger of losing his job over keeping Todd Downing one way or the other. They just signed Mike to a contract extension. This is not a cash-rich organization that would uh, buy out a coach's contract like that anyway. And I saw somebody say Mike Vrabel's time may be running out here earlier in the comment section. And, of course, that's nonsense. Um, it's just utterly nonsense that I think uh, that anybody would consider that. Mike is the uh, reigning coach of the year in the NFL. He's the best thing to happen to your franchise in God knows how long, uh, as far as I'm concerned. You were irrelevant before Mike Vrabel, and uh, and not that Mike has done this single-handedly. I think him and John have had a great working relationship. There have been better player and personnel decisions made, and they have uh, overwhelmingly hired good staff members, whether it's Arthur promoted from within, whether it's uh, bringing Matt LaFleur back after he didn't get the head coaching job here after Vrabel beat him out for it. Like the Titans didn't matter in the NFL landscape before Mike Vrabel kind of took the reins. And since then, he's made them a legitimate, regular contender. Um, Taylor S. Hurst says, Mike Malarkey refused to let Robisky go to save his job. Is Vrabel that attached to Downing? Um, well, I don't know that that's so, but they are, uh, they are not, like Mike's not going anywhere. It doesn't matter, right? This is a much different situation than Mike Malarkey. John Robinson didn't hire Mike Malarkey. John Robinson hired Mike Vrabel. Uh, John Robinson seemed to be actively working to undermine Mike Malarkey towards the end. Uh, that would not happen with Mike Vrabel. This is a, uh, this is, again, I say to you, he just signed a contract extension. He's not going anywhere. Sin City Titans says Buck is an idiot. The Titans weren't relevant, uh, irrelevant before Vrabel. Well, of course they were. Um, they, they were, they were any kind of, they were basically irrelevant for the decade plus leading up, uh, to that. They had shown, they had been relevant in the NFL landscape in the 1990s and the early two thousands. But since then, who, I mean, uh, Peyton Manning ran the AFC South, uh, the Titans had moments where they kind of popped up on occasion and, you know, washed Matt Hasselback and Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jake Locker all had their moment in the sun as professional athletes, but. Uh, nothing of consequence. This was a losing organization uh, considerably. And so when things turned around, 
uh, when things turned around, Mike Malarkey was a part of that, to be sure. When he took over in 2016, he started to dig them out of the hole. They uh, they finished as the uh, then they finished as the um, as the what the wild card in 2017. They won that game against the Kansas City Chiefs because Jonathan Cyprian concussed Travis Kelsey, and it completely changed the second half of things. Um, and all these all of this continue all of this continues to go on. And I think I think the what the 2008 is 2008 the last time they were the number one seed prior to 2021. If my memory serves correctly, you guys may uh, you guys may correct me on that, but I believe they were a number one overall seed in 2008. But that's still over a decade ago, right? And there's been a lot of bad football since. It doesn't. It's you know it's it's not an it's not a big deal to say yeah they sucked for a really long time and since then they have been good since John Robinson got here since they started the turnaround, Mike Malarkey a part of it, and then Mike Frabel helped take them over the top or at least a step further. Um, Jamie Zelinsky asks on Facebook Live, is the media afraid to piss off Frabel? Well, no, we piss Mike off all the time. It's not like we're afraid of it. We do it uh, probably once a press conference. Why not ask tougher questions consistently if needed? Well, what? okay, so I guess I guess here's here's what I'll say, Jamie. I wanted, and I texted Joe Rexroad and, and Kaharski and and uh, and Tehran today because we have a group chat. And I said I want specifically, if somebody could, ask about the failures on third and short. Now that to me satisfies the biggest issue with the Titans' offense yesterday because I thought the decision making was poor. Now just because I didn't say uh, Todd Downing's decision making in third and short situations, because I know that Mike's not going to respond to a question like that. That doesn't mean that it's not relevant to the topic of conversation. It just means that Todd Downing's name was not invoked. So when you say tougher questions, there's a way to ask tough questions without being antagonistic, right? Antagonistic isn't going to work. Antagonistic is just going to end the press conference quicker um, one way or another, and we still have more things to address throughout the course of that. If we lose Mike after the third question, and then it's a wash of a day for all of us, and we still have jobs to do. Um, now, Mike is more diplomatic, certainly after losses, than he is after wins, because he understands that they screwed up and that he needs to be accountable, and he, to his credit, does that. But it's not necessarily like, I mean, we're not going to go on the attack, because, again, we don't care like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, it's not to ask the question about certain situations satisfies what we need out of it. Even if, you know, you're not having Mike Vrabel yelled at in press conferences because you're pissed off about Todd Downing. And I think that's completely, I think that's complete. I think that's the biggest disconnect uh, in the middle of that, uh, in the middle of that, as far as I'm, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Now, listen, I, I have a, uh, I have, uh, I have run this through my worldview because I, this is what I do for a living. And, this, you know, I'm, I wasn't at the press conference today. I said, you know, maybe a missed opportunity to not ask specifically about Todd Downing's decision making. But if they didn't do it, I largely understand why, because I've done those things for I've done those things now for six years. And I get that there's a certain way to approach it um, and uh, and not and not necessarily, you know, and not necessarily make you guys happy, but also get the job accomplished because you're not going to make everybody happy. Jacob Ray says reporters don't ask tough questions because they want access. It's the same for politics. Well, I mean, listen, we don't, it's, that's just, that just lacks a basic understanding um, of what it is that we do because we have a union that demands that we get access. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it doesn't, 
Like that, it's got nothing to do with the organization. The organization is required to give access. Otherwise, they'll have to deal with the pro football in the same way that they have to deal with the players union when the players uh, are put in compromising positions. We have a union in the same way, the Pro Football Writers of America, um, that handles those things with the league to make sure that the NFL teams continue to provide access. It's got nothing to do with asking tough questions or not. It just depends on who you are and what you do and how you're going to go about asking your questions. And then, uh, Again, I would invite any of you all to uh, to take a better approach because I would be shocked to see anybody do better than any of the people who are out there on a regular basis um, doing this job and whose job it is to provide you these answers courtesy of Mike Vrabel's press conferences just as we do each and every day. Anyway, we don't need to get bogged down in that. So Todd Downing, the decision-making on third down needs to be better. Third and short in particular, moving forward. Uh, why? I think uh, I think I saw somebody ask the question, why not um, Why not just move, fire him and move on? Because that's not how Vrabel's going to do things, right? He has it's, it's this whole thing about, you know, I, I tend not to panic because panic doesn't serve anybody to a certain extent. Um, and, you know, I'm paraphrasing. It's going to be, you got to play better, got to coach better. And Mike's going to answer that the way that he wants to answer it as he's done since he got here five years ago. So with that being said, Todd Downing has his own issues to work through. And I think that uh, I think that some of these things are are enough to think at the end of the season, yeah, they they may make a change. Um, we'll find out. We'll find out as, as they move forward. Uh, and, and uh, like I said, it is unlikely that those changes will be made. Now, I will say that uh, there's only one circumstance in which I could see Todd Downing being relieved of his duties in the middle of the season. And I'll explain what I mean here in just a second by that, right after I tell you about our friends at the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. GaryAshton.com, that's where you go for your dream address without the stress. The Ashton team will put you in a position to succeed at GaryAshton.com with that Intel edge. Tonight, we're talking offensive intel about what it is that the coaching staff may or may not do. And I'm going to give you some intel about what the organization or what there was some uh, rumblings out of the organization in talking to people. Uh, outside of the press conference settings that I got last night. But if you want real estate intel, the place that you go is the Ashton Real Estate Group. That intel helps you sell your home without any showings or staging. It helps you find your next home while the market is still hot, and it helps you cash in on your home equity and win the buyer battle now. Go to GaryAshton.com for the number one REMAX team in the entire world, not just in the state of Tennessee, not just in the country, but in the entire world. That's a thing. GaryAshton.com. So the only reason, the only way that I would see uh, uh, that um, the only way that I would see a situation, William Young says, where is PK? He will ask a tie question. Paul was there today. What are you talking about? They got nothing to do with who's at the press conference. Like uh, William, I, I think you, I think you misunderstand. Mike's going to answer these questions, how he wants to answer these questions, no matter who's there or not. Does this look like a man who is going to uh, who is going to cave under under duress in certain circumstances? This is a three time Super Bowl champion and a fourteen year NFL veteran who doesn't give a shit about a press conference. <laughs> and and listen, Paul Paul asks more antagonistic questions than the rest of us. It's true. Um, and every once in a while, Mike may respond to that, and he may not. And a lot of times it works to the detriment. And this is something, you know, we, we've talked about with Paul for 
100 years. It's what makes the chief the chief. And it cracks me up one way or the other, but sometimes it can completely tank the press conference and then the whole day is a wash as opposed to getting anything out of it. Now, whether that satisfies your bloodlust for Todd Downing or not on any given day, uh, you know, that's, that's, I can't, I can't tell you how to feel. You're going to feel the way you want to feel just the way that Mike Vrabel is going to answer press conference questions, the way that Mike wants to answer press conference questions. But you can't tell me where is PK. He will ask a Todd question when Paul's sitting right next, right next to me in the press conference last night. Uh, Paul was at the press conference today and the press conference went the way that it went because we all understand that there's a certain working dynamic that has to be accomplished for any of us to get our shit done. You know what I'm saying? And for you guys to get any answers at all, as opposed to, you know, Mike Vrabel walking off of a press conference because John Glennon's asked him about Zach Cunningham three times in a week where he's not going to play. You know how this goes. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about um, what I think would if if they if they completely went down the tape went down the tubes this year, right? And we have no idea how this is going to go. It's only week one. If they completely shit the bed six weeks in, the only thing that I could think of that would cause them to make a change, I don't think they would fire Todd Downing. In fact, I don't even think that they, I mean, they would not let us know that a change in play caller has been made. Um, What they would do as the uh, Seahawks and Broncos go to halftime, 17 to 13 is the Seattle lead at home. We'll keep you updated. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to get you guys back in time for the second half. But I think that as you as you kind of process the information in front of you, if they were to make a change in play caller, they would keep. They would. I, I almost guarantee that they would keep Downing on staff. Now, what I talked to people in the organization about last night is that uh, is that there was a general discontent with the offensive execution, um, not just by the players but by the coaching staff as well. And it's not just Todd Downing. Right. That's important to remember that for all of your uh, all of your love for Tim Kelly, who we've never been able to talk to because they won't allow us to talk to him and we don't know exactly what his role is on game day. Tim Kelly is also a part of the game plan that 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 took place yesterday. Uh, Tony Dews, the running back coach, is a part of the game planning meetings that took place yesterday. Uh, Pat O'Hara, the quarterback's coach, is a part of the game planning that put together the plan that was not executed as best as humanly possible yesterday. Like Downing is the face of it. Yes. And, and ultimately it sounds like he's still the one pulling the trigger on the specific play calls, but it goes, it goes further than that. Now, if they made a change in season, cause they, he, Mike Rabel's tried to hire Tim Kelly before um, it would not be unprecedented for Mike to say, okay, Todd's the OC and we'll ride it out. But Tim, you're going to, you're going to get more involved in certain, let's say uh, in red zone. Like, it's going to be Tim Kelly's thing, right? Because it was Todd Downing's. Todd Downing ran the red zone offense when you had the best offense in franchise history in 2020. Now, there were no complaints about Todd Downing then because it wasn't necessarily wasn't necessarily public knowledge um, that Todd Downing was running their red zone uh, packages specifically. But uh, that's the same thing that Arthur Smith did before he was promoted to OC. Like, this is, this is pretty common within uh, an organization that certain people with certain people uh, are responsible for certain areas of the field, short yardage packages, first and 10, second and long, whatever the case may be, like this is how these things go. Um, so when, when, you, when you get critical, you have to understand that there's parts of this that aren't necessarily available for us to, for, for us to be able to process the entire picture because, of course, it benefits them none to give us the entire picture. 
But I think at the end of the day, um, if they made a change like that, if they made a change like that, it is not something that they would tell us uh, in real time. And if the turnaround was to take place, uh, it would, you know, all it would do is keep Todd Downing in that role. Now, it is important to note, though, that uh, Vrabel did try and hire Tim Kelly, or at least interview Tim Kelly, for the offensive coordinator job before, I can't remember if it was Arthur's hire or before Todd Downing's hire. Because I remember he also tried to hire Ryan Day, um, and Ryan Day did not... Uh, wanted to be the head coach of Ohio State instead as opposed to coming to the Titans and being an offensive coordinator here. So just think about it that way, that you don't have all the answers, even though there's one face that you're going to associate with it. Andrew Frill says, OC is the offensive leader, right? Well, yes, that would conventionally make sense. But let me run it through this. Let me run it through this prism, okay? Because that's not definitive. The head coach is the leader one way or the other. Now, you'll remember in 2019, or coming after the 2019 season, that uh, Mike Vrabel, after the uh, win against the Ravens in the divisional round before the AFC Championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs, Mike took over the defensive play calling uh, and took those responsibilities from Dean Pease in that game. Now, that is something that Wes Woodyard uh, has talked about on local Nashville radio and on, on my radio station, 104.5 The Zone. I can't remember. I think it was with uh, with Ramon Foster because uh, uh, Wood is friends with Ramon. And, you know, I love I love Wesley, too. He's a good he's a good dude. But I just I think it was on Ramon's show. Um, I know I've had Wes on before, but it's been some time. And I think this was a different discussion. But anyway, Mike Grable took over the, the defensive play calling in the 2019 AFC Championship game. And, and we didn't know about it until a year later, a year and a half later. These things happen all the time. And we're not privy to that information. So you can say definitively the OC is the offensive leader. You know, yeah, if the head coach wants to continue to let them be the offensive leader. Now, the difference between Vrabel uh, and, say, uh, and say, like Brian Dayball, for example, just because he was the coach that they lost to yesterday. Mike has been a defensive coordinator in the league. He's not been an offensive coordinator. Uh, Dayball was expected to call the plays for the Giants this year. And he said after the preseason, okay, Mike Kafka is going to do it. He's going to be he's going to be the guy who does the job. He's going to call the plays. And that's how this thing is going to go, even though Brian Dayball is a very gifted offensive play caller. So it's not necessarily the same thing for Mike uh, and Todd Downing as it was for Mike and Dean Pease. It's not like Mike can just say, okay, I'm calling the offensive plays today. Uh, a team is currently trying that, the New England Patriots, with Matt Patricia as their offensive line coach and Joe Judd's like their co-offensive coordinator type thing. And that's uh, and that's how it goes. So anyway, uh, that that is something to keep in mind. Now let's talk about, uh, we've talked precious little about the good things that came out of yesterday. And, uh, and rightfully so, because they lost the game. And when that happens... Uh, it was, uh, it's not something, it's not something that anybody played well enough to win the football game. But I thought a couple of things emerged that were to the liking, some different things that we saw from the Tennessee Titans that, uh, I think have the ability to help them, uh, down the stretch, a dual threat that emerged yesterday that I think is going to work very well with this Titans game plan. The question that I want to ask you is this, what most impressed you? from the Titans week one game Hilliard, the pass rush, the pass protection or the return game. Cause there was a couple of different things that I thought were worth discussing. So what most impressed you from week one, Dontrell Hilliard's performance, the pass rush, the pass protection or the return game. 
We will talk about it together right after I tell you about the folks who make this show possible. That is, of course, Superbook Sports as we broadcast live from the Superbook Sports Studio. Superbook has lines up for every NFL game for the rest of the season. So you can bet week seven on Monday, September the 12th. You can bet week 18 tomorrow if you like. They've got lines up right now. In fact, right now the Titans are 10-point underdogs heading into Buffalo a week from today. Superbook allows you to wager on football and every other major sport, and they'll match your match your first bet up to $1,000, whether it wins or loses. So bring Vegas to the palm of your hand with the Superbook Sports app. If you want terms and conditions, go to Superbook.com. Gambling problem? Call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. So, what most impressed you from that win, or from that loss, even though, it ended up being a loss where there's their positive takeaways for you to be had. MB says, I'm not overly thrilled with any of them. Well, uh, and that's fair. Uh, you're entitled to be. You can be more pissed about that because you still lost to the Giants and that's going to suck one way or the other. Butchie says uh, the pass protection. Jeff Sawyer agrees with him. Billy Jones says Kyle Phillips is really good, even though he had a, a, a rocky debut, right? He had, there was a drop. There was the muffed uh, punt or punt return. Amani Hooker ended up making an interception that kept the Giants from capitalizing with points on that drive. So credit to Amani Hooker and the Titans defense in that aspect. But Kyle Phillips also put them in the position to make what could have been the game-winning kick, even though Randy missed it. Derek R says Rashad Weaver is him. Uh, I, you know, I think that's overrating it a little bit, although he was involved, and that was good to see. He was a part of the uh, pass rush that ended up racking up five sacks. Uh, but Billy Jones gets to the thing that I thought was my was was the thing I knew the least about how it was going to work this season, but something that I think we saw a good sample size of yesterday. He says Dontrell Hilliard was huge in the success of that game. Uh, I think that when you look at the circumstance for Dontrell Hilliard and how much of a threat an actual receiving threat out of the backfield can be in ways that Derrick Henry is simply not, I think the presence of Don Dontrell Hilliard is a significant thing. Um, every time I touch the field, I expect to play a big game. I want to get a big shot. The coaching staff, they came with an amazing game plan. They came, they did a thing. And us as players, we just got to come out better and execute. When did that start to develop? Because it seemed like those couple plays, like it was scheming to get you open. When did that start to develop as far as like you was a key role in that passing game? Uh, like I said, it's up to the coaches. You know what I mean? They may make a call themselves. I, I have no idea. Whenever my number's called, I'm ready. I just take advantage of that. I mean, was there a point where they came to you like, hey, listen, you know, we see that you're catching the ball while you're running routes. Well, we want to take advantage. I'm on the play call. The coaches, you know what I mean? That's why I give my salutes to them. And I appreciate them for uh, trusting me and allowing me to do what I need to do. Say again? On that second TD pass where you got so well, not work so well in that play, it kind of helped get you open. Uh, me just recognizing the defense and just taking advantage of that. You know, uh, taking the one play at a time and just going out and having fun. So not terribly willing to disclose much was Dontrell Hilliard, but he did factor into their uh, passing attack in a big way yesterday. And he's he runs nuanced routes in ways that allow him to be a legitimate threat out of the backfield, ways that they haven't been able to get out of Derrick Henry, and that's fine. Derrick's got his own uses, um, provided they use Derrick properly as well. But I think that uh, I think that Hilliard is a nice wrinkle and a third down, a legitimate third down option 
as a receiving threat that they haven't had or they've been chasing for quite a while. Darrington Evans did really materialize that way. Deion Lewis never really lived up to what they brought him in to do. They've had a Kalfani Muhammad as somebody I think they drafted in John Robinson's first year on the job to kind of to kind of fill that role and never again really materialize. But Dontrell Hilliard off the street last year really came in, uh, really came in and uh, and and made and made a difference for this Titans passing game because it's just another another option for Ryan Tannehill to get involved. Uh, Darrington Evans says uh, as well. I thought I mentioned him, but perhaps I uh, perhaps I. Forgot. I think Darrington Evans was the first name that I mentioned. Either way, irrelevant. Will Tennessee on YouTube says the team is rebuilding. If you ask me, well, yeah, I mean, but that's I, well, so okay. There's a difference between rebuilding and let's say not meaningfully competitive. Do you think the Titans can rebuild and still be competitive? I think the answer is yeah. That's what we're that's what we're watching. Right now, that's what we're seeing in front of us. This is a rebuilding roster. They had to bring it. There's 11 rookies on the roster. That's not like they're not trying to hide anything from you. They've they've tried to rebuild the roster uh, because they've whiffed on the last two draft classes and they had to make it happen. Uh, William Young says coaching kept Hilliard out of that last drive. Well, no, Mike said he was unavailable. So we don't know what the what the injury situation for Dontrell Hilliard was. But Hassan Haskins was in. That's the only time Hassan Haskins was in on offense. And it's because he's a better pass protector um, in those moments and they needed to keep the running back in as opposed to sending him out on routes. So at least that was what that's that's what they told us last night uh, that Hilliard was unavailable for that final drive. But again, you it's not like Kyle Phillips made the catch, right? It's not like the receiving core or the running back, the skill position players would have made that big a difference. Um, Randy missed the kick. Like that's that's what it came down to. Now, Randy should not have ever been in a position uh, to make that happen or for to to have the game come down to his leg. But, you know, they expect him to make that kick. Reynolds says, where was Hooper? Uh, well, Hooper wasn't targeted until 33 seconds left in the game. He had one target, one catch on that drive that ended up setting what could have been the game-winning field goal. Uh, <laughs> Cloudhouse Entertainment says, it uh, seems like they are transitioning um, he says of my answer, it's a dickhead answer. I don't know why it's a dickhead answer. Um, other than to be honest with you, can they be meaningfully competitive while still rebuilding the, uh, the football team? Yeah. But like football teams rebuild every year, I, like David Poyle said this a couple of years ago and it bothered me too, when he said it competitive rebuild and I understood his meaning, but like, I think fans just don't like to hear the word rebuild in any sense of the imagination. It's just the term that kind of sets people off. But in reality, every team is rebuilding every year. You have to rebuild certain parts of your offense or defense or coaching staff. It's like it's it's always a rebuild. You just have to be you have to be cognizant of where it is specifically that they are rebuilding. Um, and yeah, they're eleven rookies on the roster indicates to me that there's a youth movement that would also be the rejuvenation or rebuilding of the roster. But that doesn't mean that they can be that they cannot be competitive. In the meantime, uh, Cloudhouse Entertainment says of the no, he, he didn't mean that I had a dickhead answer. Thank you. Uh, he says, no, not you, Buck. I was talking about Swain being the, bless, the best blocker as to why he was in and played more than any skill position player on the roster yesterday. Yeah, that's that's a that's a tough look. <laughs> Paul Power says the conference is not very good from what my eyes see. Uh, well, that's I mean, the conference is not going to look like week one is weird across the league and their season does not end in week one, fortunately for you. 
Uh, I think, uh, did Russell Wilson just get intercepted or did he get sacked? What happened there? Uh, there's Seattle defenders celebrating. I did not see what, uh, is it a, oh, it's just a special teams play. Okay. Uh, oh, stripped. Did they recover a fumble? I'm trying to keep an eye on this thing. It looks like he's got possession to the ground. Uh, but the ball does come out and it's sitting on his stomach. Okay. I think they just planted him hard on special teams anyway. Uh, this is what happens when I try to do the show and watch a game at the same time. Um, but as we, uh, the conference is, the conference, the AFC is going to be good. Like the AFC is far and away better than the NFC is this year. Um, now, the the best thing that you've got going is that your division is absolute ass. Like the, oh, oh, the AFC South is a, a hellscape, horrendous. Um, it is by far and away the most incompetent division in football because as as we sit here after week one, yes, it's only week one, but as we sit here after week one, uh, the two teams that tied yesterday or who lead the top of the standings in the AFC South, the Texans and the Colts, when Lovey Smith is out here actively saying, yeah, we played for the tie. Get the hell out of here if we played for the tie. But it's just a poverty division, the AFC South, consistently, year in and year out. But if you can be king of the trash heap, good on you, because the Titans have done it the past two years in a row. Um, okay. Let's uh, let's talk about who you got as the third quarter winds back up, 17-13. to 13. The Seahawks over the Broncos right now. Uh, Seattle looked good in the first half. We'll see if they pull a Titans and implode in the second half. And if Russell Wilson can kind of have a bit of a, a coming-out party in the place where he used to, where he's arguably the best quarterback in franchise history uh, still at this point. Um, we will, uh, we will talk, uh, there's a lot of trash divisions. Ask the Cowboys says MB. Um, well, no, all, all three NFC, all three, not every team, not named the Cowboys in that division won yesterday. The commander skins football team beat the Jags. Uh, and you had the Eagles absolutely. Well, actually that didn't, it got a little closer at the end with Detroit and Philly, but Philly, I think almost scored. I think, did they put up 40 points on them? They got close to 40 points. But uh, anyway, that's, uh, yes, the division, the AFC South. The the NFC East has been also a trash pile for a long, long time, but all three of those teams won yesterday. And the AFC South, I think, is the only division without a win. Uh, it, well, no, actually, the NFC does not have a The NFC West does not have a win yet. We will see what happens with the Seahawks tonight. Anyway, uh, wait until after 17 games, the NFC East blows, says MB. It's true. Uh, they always... They always seem to be a bit of a hellscape. Square Up uh, corrects me and says, yes, because Seattle has not won or lost yet. The NFC West does not still have a win. All right, who you got? Uh, we'll wrap things up. Reggie Walker says, I'm going with Seattle for the win, 27-20. to 20. Well, we can talk about where you can go to win. If you are starting out on your fitness journey, the place that you need to go to win and the place that I'm excited to be going to is TrueMath Fitness a new way to work out. Now, they're based out of the Gulch here in downtown Nashville. Uh, met up with Worth last week to talk about all the exciting things that TrueMath Fitness can offer. Your first class is free for Nashville residents. Just make sure that you give them your address and you will try their experience for free. It's a boot camp style workout structure, which means the workouts are never repeated or recycled. The classes are about 45 minutes in length, although they do have more time-efficient classes if you are somebody who's just looking for a quick sweat. Classes are uh, all, all also available as well as their open gym concept, which they offer to you, and personal training. You can get a 
unlimited access to their classes, their personal training, and the open gym for only $160 a month. It's a great location centrally in the Gulch, as I mentioned, and the classes are for any level of fitness experience. So sign up for your first free TrueMav class today in the Mind Body app. Find out more information at TrueMavFitness.com. Uh, so with all of these things, that uh, with all of these things, uh, TrueMavFitness.com. That's the website. I thought I, I did say that. Okay, just wanted to make sure. TrueMavFitness.com. Uh, Reed's laughing at me in the background. Sorry, Reed, I got distracted. I wasn't sure if I gave the right website. TrueMavFitness.com. That's where you go. Uh, okay, so. Who you got tonight, Russell Wilson or the Seattle Seahawks? I don't like game predictions typically, but Seattle leads right now. Russell Wilson has the ball, and it looks like they're at about, they look like they're in Broncos territory right now. It's second and nine. Uh, Yes, they are inside the Broncos territory at the 35-yard line. Russell Wilson getting ready to take the snap, and the Seahawks fans are pissed. I don't know who's going to win the game, but I'll tell you who I want to win. I want Geno Smith to get a W over Russell Wilson today. Well, that was not the effect I was looking for. I don't know where where the hell Reed got that incredibly uh, sappy Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, welcome home uh, storyline. I would much preferred him to play the let's ride uh, awkward promo video and then for all all of us to laugh at Russell together. Um, But either way, I think I think like that was that was a much more diplomatic uh, portrayal of how Russell Wilson forced himself out of Seattle than I was looking for there. Derek R says that was kind of touching. Yeah, I'm not interested in touching. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know what happened there. Shame on you, producer Reed. Perhaps we'll learn from our mistakes moving forward. He's, he's cackling in the background, uh, watching the show this evening, uh, seeing the, uh, seeing the awkward position that he has put me in as they play the touching video. And now I have to rip Russell Wilson for it. But, um, yeah, Russell, I think it's kind of lame the way that Russell forced his way out of Seattle and maybe it ends up working out for him because I think there was some fundamental disagreements and how the Seahawks situation was being run and Russ wanted more control over his own circumstance and he got it. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening as he hits Jerry Judy in space um, for a few yards. It looks like two yards on first and goal. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I'm looking for the Seahawks to win tonight. Again, I don't know if they will win or not, but at this point, I, uh, I think it would be fun to see Russell Wilson take the L in a Broncos uniform. That's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, Thanks to all the people who make the show possible. Superbook Sports, Two Rivers Ford, the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage, and True Mav Fitness. Uh, That is where you can go. Um, We will be back at it on the radio show tomorrow at 10 a.m. we got a lot of college football that we didn't have anywhere, anywhere, uh, any kind of time today to talk about. An absolutely drunk weekend of college football and a, uh, a big win for the University of Tennessee. 
So we'll do that from 10 to 1 on 104.5 The Zone, as well as some Titans talk included. Prime time tomorrow at 8 p.m. And uh, a install, an episode of the install with Greg Cosell comes your way with Titans game tape to actually study. And we will do that uh, on Wednesday. So keep an eye on that and subscribe already if you have not in the podcast feed. Have a great rest of your evening. Enjoy Sunday or rather Monday night football. And I'll catch you tomorrow on the radio show starting at 10 a.m. There's Matt All right, Cleaver. we haven't scored a point since I came in here. I am gone, guys. What? what that's but, it? But we got a couple more questions. No, nope, that's right. it. <laughs> Peace out by the GM. <laughs> <laughs>